Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Have you ever heard this phrase or used it or something like it? I probably first encountered it as a kid as a way of being told not to worry about what school bullies say or something like that. And in a sense, you know, this phrase can be really empowering, right? I mean, it, it's good to work up a sort of inner resilience so that words don't get to us. However, words do get to us. Words do have a great deal of power. And I don't just mean the words of a school bully. Uh, one month ago, uh, a couple days from now, one month ago, our nation celebrated the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Now, what actually happened on that day? Some guys wrote their names down on a piece of paper that had words on it, right? That is actually what happened that day. But a lot more than that happened, right? Right, because words have power. Words have power. Words hold the power of life and death, of languishing or flourishing. The sound of bells and the words, I do, or the word divorce. There's the sound of a gavel and the word innocent, or the word guilty. Words have the power to create, like God saying, let there be. Words also have the power to destroy, like a crowd shouting, crucify him. So, so sticks and stones may break our bones, but words have the power to endorse or condemn the use of those sticks and stones. Words have power. And this is ultimately what our psalm is about today. So go ahead and open up to Psalm chapter 12. Psalm chapter 12 is where we're headed this week as we continue through the psalms this summer. This psalm is all about words and the power that they have to harm, to heal, and to give hope. So let's read Psalm 12, beginning in verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. Help, Lord, for no faithful one remains. The loyal have disappeared from the human race. They lie to one another. They speak with flattering lips and deceptive hearts. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks boastfully. They say, through our tongues, we have power. Our lips are our own. Who can be our master? Because of the devastation of the needy and the groaning of the poor, I will now rise up, says the Lord. I will provide safety for the one who longs for it. The words of the Lord are pure words. Like silver refined in an earthen furnace, purified seven times. You, Lord, will guard us. You will protect us 
from this generation forever. The wicked prowl all around, and what is worthless is exalted by the human race. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for your word and the power that it has. I ask that as we consider the words of this psalm, that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so this psalm is all about words and their power. As we reflect on the words of this psalm, I, I want to ask three questions together. So first, who is speaking, right? Who are, what are the voices that we hear in this psalm? Second, how should we listen? How do we discern those voices that are speaking? And third, what will we say? What will we say? So who is speaking? How should we listen? And what will we say? So first, who is speaking in this psalm? Well, at the center of the psalm, verses 4 and 5, there are two direct quotes of dialogue. Verse 4 has the words of the wicked, and then verse 5 contains words spoken by God. And before and after these direct quotes, the psalmist expounds upon the words of each one. So at the beginning, leading up to verse 4, the psalmist expounds on the words of the wicked. And he opens with a lament. He says, Help, Lord, for no one faithful remains. The loyal have disappeared from the human race. I've got to be honest, as I read these opening words earlier this week and preparing for this sermon, they resonated really deeply with me. Because I don't know if you feel this way, but it seems like over the past couple of months, words in our country have grown increasingly hostile. And, and to some degree, this kind of thing happens every four years when big elections come around. People are bound to argue with one another about politics and things like that. But it feels like this year is kind of on a whole new level, right? Some are spewing shame while others are shooting back with defense and, and others are spinning conspiracy theories about it all. I mean, it seems like in the past people argued, but now it feels like people are not even able to talk at all. They can't even argue. And in the midst of it all, it's hard to know who to listen to, who to trust, what words to actually pay attention to. So the words of this psalm really ring true. Help, Lord, for no faithful one remains. Sometimes it feels like the loyal have disappeared from the human race. But this psalm begins to show us a way forward, beginning with lament and then moving from there. So the psalmist continues by describing the words of the wicked. And we can see that their words are characterized as false and selfish. The wicked speak falsely and selfishly. So in verse 2, it says that they lie to one another. They speak with flattering lips and deceptive hearts. 
And the literal Hebrew phrase is that they speak with heart and heart. They speak with heart and heart. Their hearts are deceptive and duplicitous. It's like they, they, they don't have integrity. They don't have a single heart. Uh, their heart's divided among itself and, and divides others. Their hearts are deceptive. So no matter what they're saying on the surface, there's always something dishonest going on underneath, whether outright lies, flattery, or deception. The wicked speak falsely. This is what the psalm says. And the reason for that is selfish gain. Look at verses three and four. It says their tongues speak boastfully as they brag. They say, through our tongues, we have power. Our lips are our own. Who can be our master? So all of their manipulative lies are meant to serve their own purposes. They build up themselves. They tear down others and ultimately try to make themselves God. They serve neither God nor neighbor, but only themselves. Our lips are our own. Who can be our master? So the words of the wicked are false and selfish. But then contrast these with the words of the Lord. In verse 5, God speaks. He says, Because of the devastation of the needy and the groaning of the poor, I will now rise up. I will provide safety for the one who longs for it. And then in verse 6, the psalmist describes God's words by saying the words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in an earthen furnace purified seven times. So the words of the wicked are false and selfish, but the words of God are pure and generous. They are generous because God uses his words not for himself, but for those in need. And they're pure because they have been tested and refined. And I love the image that the psalmist uses here. God's words are like silver refined in a furnace, purified seven times. God's words are true, not because they're easy, but because they are lasting. Right? I, I'm no silversmith expert. I don't know the exact process, but I think I know enough to say that it involves fire. Right? This picture of a furnace. It involves fire, and it involves really hot fire. And in this image, the silver goes through that fire seven times. Seven times. This is the number of wholeness, the number of completion. And so trusting God's words does not mean that we won't experience testing and fire. It just means that his word is strong enough to endure that testing and that fire. In fact, it means that they come out on the other side more pure and more true than before. Times of testing are meant for purification they're meant to strip away the lies that we believe about God so that we can be left with the refined and pure truth of who God is. Man, this whole season uh, is a refining season 
I think? What kind of testing are we going through and how are we going to come out on the other side? Through this testing and the psalm, God's promise is that he will provide safety for the one who longs for it. He will provide safety for the one who longs for it. So the wicked's words are false and selfish. And God's words are pure and generous. This is the world of words that we are living in. There are wicked words and then there are God words. But how do we cut through all of the noise and discern which words to listen to and which words to reject? I mean, if the wicked's words are flattering, then they very well may sound a good bit like the encouraging and protective words of God, right? Those flattering lips will make us feel a lot better. So how can we see through the lies of the wicked? Well, I think that in order to cut through all of these words, we need to look to the word. And so this brings us to the next question that I want to ask. How should we listen? How can we discern all the words that we hear and encounter each day? Well, I think the answer, as I already said, is to hold all of these different words up to the word. We already talked about this a little in the intro this morning. The Gospel of John opens by telling us that Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word who is with God, who is God, and who was in the beginning with God. And that word became flesh and dwelt among us. And all throughout the Gospel of John, we learn about this word. We learn about Jesus. Jesus is constantly telling us about himself with all of these many I am statements. You know what I'm talking about? He's always saying, I am. And I want to consider one of these I am statements as a way of discerning the many words that we hear. So in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is a description of the word. Who is God become flesh to be with us? And so we can consider each one of these as a way of discerning the words that we hear and encounter each day. And so we can ask these questions, are the words true? What way are these words functioning? And do they lead to life? Are the words true? What way are they functioning and do they lead to life? So first, are the words true? The psalm that we've read this morning already observed that the words of the wicked are lies. They are false, whereas God's words are pure. They are true. And this is foundational, right? As Christians, we are called to share the truth of the good news of Jesus with the world. And we do this with our words and with our actions. We are called to be truthful witnesses of God's good work in the world. And so we must be people 
who pursue truth and who speak truth in all things. And this seems like something basic and fundamental, but we live in an age of fake news, alternative facts and conspiracy theories and misinformation. And so when we hear something or when we read something, we must ask this question, are these words true? Are these words true? You know, you might think it's innocent when you pass on to someone that something that you heard on the news last night or something that you read uh, or, or share a post on social media or something like that. You may think that that's kind of innocent, but if what we are passing along is not true, then it is not just some information that is at risk. It is our very gospel witness that is at risk. Because after all, if we cannot be trusted with information, how can we be trusted with the good news of the gospel? So when we learn about what's going on in the world, it is vital that we do some research. It's so important that we do some research, especially if what we hear evokes some kind of strong emotional response like rage right? I mean, this is common for headlines to try to get us to react in certain ways. Verse 8 of our psalm says, the wicked prowl all around and exalt what is worthless. They intentionally share things. They get big reactions, things that are ultimately worthless. So if you find this happening, as you engage information, it takes some time to check a few other sources and see what's really going on. Because if the information is a lie, then we must reject it and declare what is true. Our gospel witness is at stake in this. And so are these words true? Second, the question to ask is, what way do these words function? What way are these words functioning? This question is a little bit more complicated than the first. It's going to require some critical thinking because sometimes words can be true, but their function is impure. The best example of this is the devil speaking to Jesus in the wilderness, right? He took Jesus up to the top of the temple and he said to Jesus, throw yourself down for it is written. He will give his angels concerning you and, and they will support you. Right? This is a quote from Psalm 91. So the devil actually quotes scripture to Jesus. Well, of course these words are true, right? But they are deceptive. They are meant to sow distrust in Jesus toward his father. And so Jesus discerningly responds with another scripture. He says, it is also written, do not test the Lord your God. Another example of this kind of thing, these sort of impure, deceptive words, is the Pharisees. They strictly follow the law. And Jesus does praise their righteous deeds. But in Matthew 23, he denounces them, saying they do everything to be seen by others. Right? So even though they are following the law, which is true, and they're doing deeds that are righteous— the way their words and actions function is impure. 
they are like the wicked in this psalm with flattering lips and boastful tongues. So as we encounter words each day, after doing some research to see if they are even true, we have to ask ourselves, what way are these words functioning? Are these words boastful and flattering meant only to prop up the one who is speaking and win over the audience? Or are they spoken in love to the one who is listening and spoken in service of what is being spoken about? Because even if they are true, they could be deceptive, defensive, destructive. We have to ask this question, even if they are true, are they defensive and destructive? Or are they humble and honest? Right? What way are these words functioning? So some discerning questions. Are these words true? What way do they function? And third, do these words lead to life? Do these words lead to life? This is the ultimate goal, right? Words should be true and they, they should be spoken humbly, not boastfully, but ultimately words should lead to life. Now the question becomes life for who? They should lead to life for who? Who should the words lead to life for? Because I'm sure the wicked feel like their words are leading to their life, right? As they boast about themselves, they're concerned with their own lives. But the psalm is clear that God is concerned with the, not, the lives of the needy, the lives of the poor. In verse 5, they are the ones who God responds to. They are the ones who God protects. So do the words we hear lead to life for the most vulnerable people? Do they lead to life for those who are oppressed? Or do they only seek to build up those who are already in power? Jesus said that he came to preach good news to the poor, right? And he has called us to serve the least of these. This is how words ought to function. And Paul reiterates all of this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. He writes, No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need, so that it gives grace to those who hear. Building up someone in need. Words ought to lead to life, to the building up of those who are in need. So even if the words are true, and even if they're not functioning in a deceptive way, if they do not lead to life for the least, then there is something missing, right? Then these words are not quite getting the full picture, and we must seek more. So, as we discern the many words that we encounter, how should we listen? We need to hold them up next to Jesus, who is the word, who is the way, the truth, and the life. We got to ask the questions, are these words true? What way are they functioning and do they lead to life, particularly the life of the least? 
This should help us discern as we listen closely for the word of God amidst all the words and noise that we hear every day. So we've considered the psalm and its themes, and we've asked this question, you know, who is speaking? And we've seen the words of the wicked and the words of the Lord. And then we ask the question, how should we listen? And we've looked to Jesus, the word who is the way, the truth, and the life. Finally, I want to ask the question, what will we say? What will we say? And I think the psalm actually gives us some direction on this. Because as we've looked at it, we've seen the words of the wicked, and we've seen the words of the Lord. And that may seem like everyone in the psalm, but there is one more group that is using their words. It's subtle, but it's crucial. Look back at verse 5. Look at what God says. He says, because of the devastation of the needy and the groaning of the poor, I will now rise up. You see, the poor and the needy are calling out to God. And their words move him to action. This is a way of, of, of things. This is the way that things are. From the very beginning, God has always desired to partner with people, to respond to the words that people cry out to him. And so between the wicked who oppress and the God who protects, there will always be the people of God who pray and who advocate for the poor and needy. There are those who groan to God amidst their grief and those who cry to God on their behalf. And we are called to be those people Remember, words have power. We must wield that power well. We are called to speak words that reflect the way, the truth, and the life. We are called to speak truth in love for the sake of the needy. We are called to speak truth in love for the sake of the needy. All right? This can look like sharing the gospel with sinners can also look like calling out injustice on behalf of the oppressed. Or with our actions, it can look like feeding the ones who are hungry. We are called to speak the truth in love for the sake of the needy. And this way, we partner with God, who provides safety for the one who longs for it. God, who guards and protects so as we come to a close, I want to offer you two challenges this week. I want to challenge you in your listening and challenge you in your speaking. So first, as you listen to words this week, whether they come from a book, from the news, or from a friend, I want you to pause and run through those discernment questions that we talked about. Are these words true? What way are these words functioning? And are these words leading to life for the least, right? The, the truth, the way, and the life. If any red flags pop up as you ask these questions, well, then take some time to do some research, to pursue other words. And if they're not true, well, then look at some other sources, figure out what is true. If they're not functioning in a good way, well, then hold them 
lightly or perhaps just set them aside. And if they're not leading to life for the least, then go find words that do. This is my first challenge to you. Use discernment in your listening. The truth, the way, and the life. Run the things that you hear through this filter to see if they are words worth holding on to. The second challenge that I have for you is to challenge you in your speaking this week. How can your words speak truth in love for the sake of the needy? How can your words speak truth in love for the sake of the needy? Maybe that means there are some words you need to stop saying, right? Words that are not true, words that are not loving, words that do not lift up the lowly. But it might also mean that there are some words you need to start saying, right? Is there someone in your life that you should speak to? Someone you could share the truth of the gospel with? Someone you could share some encouragement with? Or perhaps is there someone in your life that you should speak for, right? Someone you can lift up in prayer, someone you can advocate for and stand up with. How can your words this week speak truth in love for the sake of those in need? In all of our listening and all of our speaking this week, may we remember, as the psalm proclaimed, that the words of the Lord are pure words. So, Drench yourself in his words this week. Seek him in scripture and in prayer. Remember the story of the gospel and the power of his promises. May God guard us and protect us as he speaks to us and through us. May it be so. Amen.